I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million dollars. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Today is Wednesday, October 18, 2023. Coming up on Roller Martin Unfiltered Streaming live on the Black Star Network. He spent years in prison for a crime he did not commit, only to be killed by a cop doing a traffic stop. We'll show you what happened to a Florida man who died as a result of being killed by a Georgia deputy. Folks, how inept are House Republicans? Well, they have blown off again uh, the insurrectionist Trump MAGA loving Jim Jordan not securing enough votes to become the next Speaker of the House. <laughs> he lost even more votes uh, from the other day. We'll talk about that. Plus, President Joe Biden. Uh, travels to Israel uh, and speaks on the uh, devastation of a um, uh, hospital in Gaza. He speaks on where he says, where where U.S. intelligence says, who actually committed uh, the heinous act. Pennsylvania voters will be voting for candidates to fill the state's courts. The chair of the state's Democratic Party will join us to talk about uh, these critical elections. Folks, that and more right here. I'm Roland Martin on the Fulton of the Black Star Network. It's time to bring the funk. Let's go. He's got whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. Imagine spending 16 years in prison for a crime you did not commit 
And then as you are traveling in another state, you're pulled over for a traffic stop and you end up dead. That is exactly what happened uh, to 53-year-old Leonard Allen Cure. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation uh, says Cure became violent and assaulted a Camden County Sheriff's deputy after being informed he would be arrested during a traffic stop along I-95 near the Georgia-Florida line. The agency says preliminary information shows the deputy shocked the driver with a stun gun twice and then tried to subdue Cure with his baton before pulling his gun. Cure was stopped for allegedly speeding. The video we are about to show you is triggering to some folks. Uh, so we ask you to turn away uh, at this moment so you do not have to actually see this video before I play it. A little bit more about Cure. Uh, he was uh, the first person who was uh, freed by the uh, Broward County uh, DA's office um, in, uh, as, as they looked at uh, you know, old cases. Uh, and it wasn't long uh, that he was uh, out. And so I'm going to show you again. It's about a 12-minute video. I'm not going to show you the whole video. Uh, but here is this uh, encounter in Georgia. My name is Yahweh. I don't care. Step to the rear of this vehicle. In the name of who? In the name of the law of the state of Georgia. Step back here. Now you're getting tased. I'm going. Watch me now. Put your hands on the back of that truck. Do you see that? Put your hands on the back of that truck. Back of the truck. Both hands. Turn around. Send me another unit, one non compliant. Your name is Officer Who? Staff Sergeant Aldridge with the Camden County Sheriff's Office. Camden County. Put your hand behind your back. Do I have a do I have a warrant? No, 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 no. Excuse me. Put your hands behind your back because you're getting tased. I'm telling you that right now. Why am I getting tased? Because you are under arrest for speeding and reckless driving. I'm not driving. Nobody was hurt. How was I speeding? You passed me doing 100 miles an hour. Okay, so that's a speeding ticket, right? Sir, tickets in the state of Georgia are criminal offenses. I don't have a ticket in Georgia. You do now? Why? You passed me doing 100 okay, miles an hour. And what? Am I going Hands to behind your back. Yes, you're no, going no. to jail. Hands behind your back. Put your hands behind your back. Stay 
shot, sir. Suspect down. Can you send me help? Stay down. Stay down. Stay down. Folks, uh, Cure was um, freed in 2020 uh, for wrongful conviction. 2004, he was convicted for armed robbery um, and, uh, and, and armed robbery with a firearm and assault. Uh, and then he was the first person freed by the Broward State Attorney Conviction Review Unit. Um, I want to bring my panel here. Uh, obviously, it was uh, very difficult to have to watch that video. Uh, but I want folks to bring it to the beginning because I, I want to start there uh, as I begin to question uh, the panel. My panel, Robert Patillo, host, People, Passion, Politics, News and Talk, 1380 WAOK, out of Atlanta, Rebecca Carruthers, Vice President of the Fair Election Center right here in D.C., Joe Richardson, Civil Rights Attorney uh, out of Los Angeles. All right, so uh, I want to start the video from the beginning because that's where I want to start our perspective. So press play. Step out! Step out! Get out! Get out! Put your hands back here. I ain't doing shit. Stand hands back here. Who are you? Staff Sergeant Alder Sheriff's Office. My name is Yahweh. I don't care. Step to the rear of this vehicle. In the name of who? In the Come name back. of so, the state of... All right, so... Robert, we, we, we talk about these things a lot. First of all, we talk about how the goal is always um, to get home. But we also constantly talk about the role of the officer in terms of their attitude and how they approach certain things. Now, according to the Georgia Bureau investigation, um, he was going 90 and a 70 and increased to 100, then he gets pulled over. So you hear the officer getting out of the car. We all see it, we all hear it. So the officer is already at a 910. That's how the whole thing starts. He encounters Cure, who obviously is agitated for getting pulled over. Does the officer lower temperatures? Nope. They actually go higher. Your thoughts? 
Well, one, I've done traffic tickets in Atlanta since, or in the state of Georgia since 2009. Uh, a super speeder ticket is a very serious offense, but it does not carry the death penalty in the state of Georgia. I think that's where we have to begin this inquiry. Because when this officer exited the vehicle, he was clearly already belligerent. Uh, I very rarely see a situation where the officer starts yelling from, you know, 100 feet away, get out of the vehicle so somebody can hear you on a busy highway. Uh, also, the officer did not articulate a reason why he wanted him to exit the vehicle during a traffic stop. Uh, there was no indication of a uh, substances. There's no indication of uh, weapons being used. It's a simple traffic stop for somebody going 90 or 100 miles an hour. You write them a ticket and then send them about their way. So there has to be some investigation as to why this police officer not only did not de-escalate, why they sought to actually escalate the situation going forward. And this is a horrible thing that the African-American community has to go through continuously. This type of trauma porn traumatizes communities, turns people against law enforcement. When we talk about this conversation around criminal justice reform, law enforcement cannot advocate their duty as professionals to act professionally to treat people equally. And I dare say if this wasn't a, uh, a older African-American gentleman riding in a, with a wife beater on, more maybe this officer would not have that same attitude when they're getting out of the vehicle and escalating the situation. We have to start rooting out racial profiling, racial biases from policing, or else we're going to continue to see the number of police homicides increase as opposed to decrease. So, Joe, um... It's interesting. So the police officer says you were going 100 and you passed me by. I remember, I remember being on a two-lane highway leaving Bryant College Station, Texas, um, going back to uh, my home in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And I remember driving. I was, I was in a Mazda Miata. And I remember driving, uh, and I pull up on the side of this, on the side of a car, and then I realized it's an officer. Well, hell, I'm already speeding, so I go ahead and speed up. All right. So the officer pulls me over, okay? And he purchased my car, and he said, you really went past me? I was like, yeah, I'm going to hurry and get home. <laughs> he was, and here's what happened here. The officer didn't get out of his car yelling and screaming. The officer didn't get out of his car and demanded I stay, get out. So what, what jumps out at me is, if you're a police officer, why, why do I need to yell for you to get out of the car? In fact, stay in the car. Put your, I've seen other police officers say, hey, put your hands on the steering wheel. Put your hands on the outside. So the moment you yell, get out of the car, that person actually has a greater chance of coming at me in, 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 uh, in, in that very moment. Yeah, I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, you have got to set the tone. I think the problem is, building on Robert's point, which, of course, is totally valid, the problem is the thing that really can uh, keep these situations from becoming deaths are the police doing things that are morally right, not just legally right. There's, there's a question as to how much he followed their own policies. Uh, you know, I'm sure that they have policies of surrounding de-escalation and all those types of things. But let's say that it's not against the law, technically, for him to yell when he gets out of the car. But that makes him safer if he doesn't yell. It makes him safer if, you know, and, and now here we are, black folks, we don't know 
what the heck to do. You know, a lot of times we want to sit in the car, of course, and say, OK, here are my hands. They're at the steering wheel. You know, your folks tell you all the time, you know, make sure everybody can see where your hands are at every time. Call every move you're going to make and, and or ask before you do anything, as opposed to getting out. There's an argument that more could have happened to this officer with the guy getting out of the car. And then what happens is once he gets out the car, he's not thrilled, you know, but to begin with, he's complying. He told him to put his hands on the uh, on, on, on the car. He did do so. It seemed like this individual who's not here to tell the story, of course, wanted to see the officer. Uh, and my sense is that's the reason he did that, as opposed to turning around, putting his hands on the car where his back was to the officer. But this is an opportunity still, if for, if not for legal reasons, maybe for legal reasons, but certainly for moral and ethical reasons, to set the tone early so that you don't, uh, you know, put him in a box that makes him defensive, that makes him potentially non-compliant, belligerent, and therefore makes you less likely to have to use some kind of force where somebody doesn't walk away from that incident. The police going above and beyond is what's frankly what they're supposed to do to follow the law. But if it's about being safe and staying safe, he would have approached it differently with his tone. He would have only matched that escalation if that escalation was there in the first place. And he may have gotten a very, very different reaction if he played it differently to start. Um, I, I, I want to I play the video again, but I want y'all to move it forward to... Um, I, I want you to move it forward. Just, go, just scrub forward, and then I'll tell you when to pick it up. So just uh, scrub forward. Um, okay, now, 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 now bring it back, bring it back, bring the, the, that camera, the body camera, bring it back, bring it back, keep going, keep going, keep going. All right, stop right there. Now, play it from there. Now, folks, here's what you're going to, now I'm going to talk over it, so uh, go play the video, I'm going to talk over it. All right, so have the sound underneath me. Okay, so you see, his, he puts his hands up, then all of a sudden, he's touching the car. Now, turn the volume up. You see that? Put your hands on the back of that truck. Back of the truck. Turn around. 34 Kenny, send me another unit. One non-compliant. Stop right there. Stop right there. Now I want you to bring it back. I want you to bring it back just about 10 seconds. I want I want y'all to listen to what listen listen to what the officer says when he calls for backup. Press play. Send me another unit. Stop right there. Send me another unit. He says he's non-compliant. But the reality is, he actually complied. Now, right. did he give him some mouth? Yeah, he did. But he's compliant. Okay, now I want you to go back, press play, audio up. Sergeant Aldridge with the Camden County Sheriff's Office. Camden County, put your hand behind your back. Do I have a do I have a warrant? Hey, hey, no, 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 no. Excuse me. Excuse me. Hey, put your hands behind your back because you're getting tased. I'm telling you that right now. Stop right there. Now, I don't know if y'all saw that. Bring it back. Bring it back. You're gonna see the officer's left hand. You're gonna see a white hand. His left hand is he's already touching him. And then all of a sudden, you can tell the guy's like a little ticked off because he's being touched. Um, I'm, I'm going to review the back in a minute, Rebecca, but here's what I'm trying to understand, Robert. 
okay, do you, driving 100 miles an hour, does that require an actual arrest in Georgia? It does not require an arrest. It is an arrestable offense, uh, uh, given additional factors. But there's no way, no way to perform that. It's a, a, re a required arrest. I've gone 100 miles an hour in Georgia and gotten a ticket. You don't get arrested automatically. Normally, protocol in this case will be that the officer would approach the vehicle. He would tell the individual to put their hands on the steering wheel to present their license registration. They would uh, then take that back to the vehicle. They will run the plates, run their license registration, find out if there were any warrants present. They will come back. They would engage in a conversation the individual to find out if there was a reason uh, that they were going to that um, that speed, such as a medical emergency, a child being born, et cetera, because sometimes there are justifications. At that point in time, they would issue them a citation for speeding, uh, and then they would come back to court and go through the regular court process. That's how a speeding ticket goes, I and mean, many of us are familiar with that. This idea that you get out of the car screaming at the top of your lungs for people to get out uh, as was said by you and as was said by Joe. Uh, you don't know what happens when that person gets out of the vehicle. They could get out and immediately start shooting. They could take off running. There's a very dangerous situation our officer put both himself in and the uh, the victim in this case in, and that's why police protocol has to be followed, and there needs to be a full investigation into this and hopefully charges against this officer for violating police protocol. Um, I, the reality is, Rebecca, I doubt any of that happens, but the reason I wanted to walk through that um, it's because, again, we say this over and over and over again, the actions of the officer in a, most cases is going to dictate how the person responds. And if the person is responding to me heightened, it's not, I'm the one with the, bat, with, the, with the stun gun and the gun and all the laws on my side. I have the right to use deadly force. My job is to Bring it down. To me, this is where, sir, you were driving more than 100 miles an hour. I pulled you over <coughs> because you broke the law. I would like for you to place your hands behind your back. Sir, I will answer all of your questions, but right now, I need you to place your hands behind your back. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today 
at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. That's a whole different tone than what we heard this officer use. If an officer isn't capable of pulling someone over for speeding without taking their life, then that person should not be an officer, full stop. One thing that psychology tells us is that nervous systems want to respond to each other. So if you have someone who is heightened, who is very upset, then it's very likely that the person that they're interacting with is also going to match similar energy. The other thing that I think is also important based upon um, this footage that was released is we then see a third party actually interfering with a stop. We see it appears to be a Brink security officer get out of their vehicle and draw a weapon, a deadly weapon, and enter the situation. And never once did I hear the police officer say, hey, you get back in the car, you are interfering with an act of um, um, uh, a police investigation. I did not hear that. So when we're talking about all the things that weren't done according to protocol, that should also be added to the list. Um, absolutely, Robert. Uh, again, I... To our folks who are watching, our responsibility at the end of the day, no fool how these cops are, is for us to get home safely. And uh, the moment he starts tasing, uh, the moment Cure begins to push against him, all of a sudden, you know what's about to happen. It was stun gun, baton, and then it was gun. And so, obviously, Cure's actions or his reaction, then, of course, it goes to the next level, to the next level. But again, officers are going to have to understand your primary job is to de-escalate. Nobody wants to get pulled over. Nobody wants... You don't know... He didn't know that this guy has spent 16 years in jail for a crime he did not commit. He didn't know any of that. Nobody likes to get pulled over. But if I'm a cop and somebody is automatically agitated, my deal is, sir, I'm going to need you to calm down. And look, Roland, we, we got to stop teaching black folks uh, to treat cops like they're bears or something. They, you know, walk back away, do not make any sudden movements, do not anger the bear, do not do anything to make him aggressive, etc. The, the police officer is the one who's at work. That's the person who's at their job currently, who has to act in a professional fashion. They're the person who's protected by the color of law. They have the they have the Constitution behind them. They wear the badge that gives them the ability to take human life. They're completely invested to by the state. Your tax dollars pays that person. That puts the onus on and the burden on the police officer to de-escalate the situation. This person has psychological trauma as a result of being uh, illegally detained by their own government for the better part of a generation. That means that police need to uh, take into consideration what they call in torts the eggshell plaintiff, somebody who has a predisposition which may impact their reaction to something. Because of this, police need to be both trained and understand that they have to take each person as they come to them, and therefore they have a duty, uh, a duty under law to ensure that they 
they are acting in such a way that will not escalate these situations. There were a, at least a dozen points that I saw where this officer could have de-escalated this situation. They did not articulate any reason for this aggressive arrest being necessary. They uh, escalated to the point where deadly force was vitiated, and because of that, the burden still falls upon them. And I think we have to get laws in this country that are able to keep up with the new actions of police and the new actions of law enforcement when it comes to discriminating against uh, minority communities, because I guarantee you, if there was a little blonde-haired, blue-eyed college girl in that car going 100 miles an hour, we would not be talking about her being dead right now. Uh, and that's the thing, Joe. Again, the, the, the beginning of this, frankly, sets up the ending. Yeah, it does. And what's so hard and, and what has to change um, is that this predisposition to feel a certain way about uh, a particular person that you're stop stopping. In this uh, instance, a black man sets the tone for where it starts. Now, we should be pragmatic, but if anything, Police officers should be pragmatic and within policy. But if anything, yeah, be pragmatic and have it set the tone. But think of it this way. Maybe just because of the perception that police deal with a certain way, deal with black folks a certain way, that I ought to make sure, while keeping safe, that I go out of my way so that nothing can be said as to me not trying to de-escalate the situation by the book. If any predisposition towards how black folks are or how black folks think or the statistics related to black folks being at stops and being much more likely to be killed than white folks, which is true, um, that should have made him pragmatic in the other direction, not pragmatically fearful, yelling to get out of the car when that actually makes him less safe. Um, Unless, of course, that's where he wanted it to go. But pragmatic in terms of saying, I've got to de-escalate this thing for reasons of actuality and reasons of perception. Uh, this is the dash cam video here. Uh, and you saw, uh, again, uh, how he, uh, how Cure was driving. Uh, I mean, he's driving. I mean, look, I, I, guys, I, I've been on highways uh, a lot. I've seen people drive this way. And then all of a sudden you see a uh, cop pulls up behind him. He's in a far left lane. Uh, then you see Cure signal to get over. Uh, so he's, he gets over into the center lane. Uh, then he is, then obviously it's a truck there. So he gets back in left lane. He's, gonna, he's bypassing all of them uh, to get, and, and again, normally what happens is you get over on the right side of the highway. And so uh, he's going forward to get past all of them. And so you should see him uh, in a second uh, get over. So he gets over, gets to the center lane, right lane, and now he pulls over. Go to the beginning of that video. Again, I want to see, uh, see the beginning. So this is the beginning of the video. Uh, and remember he said, oh, you blew past me. Pull the audio up. All right, so, so the officer, the sheriff, deputy, is all of a sudden the guy. So, Cure, you see him. All right, now, okay, so do me a favor. Stop right there. Now, I want you to go back and play the body cam video because, again, I want you to hear what, uh, hear, hear, go, go back to the beginning of it. I want you to listen to what this uh, deputy uh, sheriff said. Play.
out! Step out! Get out! Get out! Put your hands back here. I ain't doing shit. Stand hands back here. You. Staff Sergeant Alder Sheriff's Office. My name is Yahweh. I don't care. Step to the rear of this vehicle. In the name of who? In the name of the law of the state of, of Georgia. Step back here. Now you're getting tased. Watch me now. Put your hands on the back of that truck. Do you see that? Put your hands on the back of that truck. Back of the truck. Both hands. Turn around. 34 Kenny, send me another unit. One non compliant. Still out of unit, right 34 at the office. Your name is Officer Who? Staff Sergeant Aldridge with the Camden County Sheriff's Office. Camden County. Put your hand behind your back. Do I have a do I have a warrant? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Excuse me. Either put your hands behind your back because you're getting tased. I'm telling you that right now. Why am I getting tased? Because you are under arrest for speeding and reckless driving. I'm not driving. Nobody was hurt. How was I speeding? You passed me doing 100 miles an hour. Okay, so that's a speeding ticket, right? Sir, tickets in the state of Georgia are criminal offenses. I don't have a ticket in Georgia. You do now? All right, here we go. So, again, he said you, you went past me 100 miles an hour. Again. The actions of the officer can, can determine the end result of a traffic stop. And nearly every time we talk about a black man being shot and killed at the hands of the police, it's a traffic stop. As Robert said, that's a ticket. It's a ticket. But now a family is planning a funeral. And the likelihood this officer getting off, it's probably 100%. Because they're going to say he resisted, cop had gave him proper warning, he had no choice. But I keep saying, cops have got to learn to start with de-escalation and not with escalation. Can I go to a break? We'll be back on Roller Martin Unfiltered right here on the block. Next on The Frequency with me, Dee Barnes, actress, writer, and advocate, Ray Don Chong is here to discuss her childhood and break down her life in Hollywood, a show you don't want to miss. Well, even at my peaky peak peak when I was getting a lot of stuff, as soon as I was working a ton, I heard people whispering, oh, we don't want to pay her because we're giving her a break. Only on The Frequency on the Black Star Network. Pull up a chair, take your seat, the Black with me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network. Every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene, a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. An angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol. We're 
about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. Mr. Love King of R&B, Raheem Devon. It's me, Sherry Shepard, and you know what you're watching. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Well, another day in the neighborhood, folks. Uh, and <laughs> they can't let the speaker, y'all. So today, Jim Jordan lost again. Uh, lost more. He got uh, got fewer votes than he did uh, just a couple days ago, uh, and uh, it was utterly hilarious. Just roll the video. The tellers agree in their tallies that the total number of votes cast is 433, of which the Honorable Jim Jordan of the state of Ohio has received 199. The Honorable Hakeem Jeffries of the state of New York has received 212. The Honorable Kevin McCarthy of the state of California has received five. The Honorable Byron Donalds of the state of Florida has received one. The Honorable Tom Emmer of the state of Minnesota has received one. Lee Zeldin of the state of New York has received three. The Honorable Steve Scalise of the state of Louisiana has received seven. The Honorable Mike Garcia of the state of California has received one. Candace Miller of the state of Michigan has received one. John Boehner of the state of Ohio has received one. The Honorable Kay Granger of the state of Texas has received one. The Honorable Bruce Westerman of the state of Arkansas has received one. No person having received a majority of the whole number of votes cast by surname, a speaker has not been elected. Pursuant to Clause 12A of Rule 1, the chair declares the House in recess subject to the call of the chair. <laughs> okay, I know some of y'all at home are laughing just like I am. Uh, keep in mind, the Constitution does not require that a Speaker of the House actually be a House member. So you heard uh, John Boehner. He's a former House member, former Speaker of the House. And so anybody, I mean, any one of us could actually be voted upon as Speaker of the House. Just want to let you know that. Uh, but, but if you want to see how deranged these people are, this, was, this is former Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Yesterday, but I want to hear y'all who he's blaming for the problem. This is too funny. 
sticks McCarthy. Let's listen to Kevin McCarthy here. Now we have rules. We don't have to be stuck on the floor. Uh, the interesting part is why we're here. Every single Democrat voted to stop one branch of government. They created this. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA mess with eight Republicans, every single Democrat district. And so I think what we'll do is we'll go sit down, uh, we'll talk to those that have difference of opinion, and, and come back. Did the margin surprise, surprise you? No. Sir, Thank you. you. You feel bad for Mr. Do you feel bad right now for Mr. Jordan? You threw his your supporting for him. Do you feel bad for him? No, no. about the same vote I had on my first vote out. Um, I were in the, well, no, 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 no let, let's go back to how I got here. We wouldn't be here if every single Democrat didn't vote with eight Republicans to shut this place down. That's it. No, what, Republicans voted against Jim Jordan today on the floor, including two votes from somebody who's not even a member anymore. Every single Democrat and eight Republicans voted to shut down one branch of government. That is why we're here today. There's no other reason why we're here today but because of that. Now, now we had a vote on the floor. It didn't get to the whole point. Now we'll take a break, talk to people, and come back and solve it. So how long is this going to be today? Well, I'm, I'm, um, I'm confused. That's sort of like, you know, that's sort of like me being in a Panhellenic meeting and I go, look, we lost the vote because the Omegas and the Kappas voted against us. And if <laughs> Alphas voted against us, I'd be like, how are you complaining about them when your own members voted against you? That's, that's literally where these people are at now. 
That, that so the new talking point for them is, oh, we this went badly because those damn Democrats. They're they're the ones. They how dare they? How dare they? Uh, how dare they vote uh, uh, against us? Not we can't get our act together. Not we don't know what the hell we doing. No, 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 no. We gonna sit here. We gonna blame the other party. Same thing happened on uh, CNN. This is so hilarious, y'all. I saw this earlier. I had to play it for you. Watch this. Austin Scott, who lost the conference nomination to Jordan last week, but is now uh, firmly behind Jim Jordan. Sir, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, should he keep going? Should Jim Jordan continue as his aides say he will? Oh, yeah, I, th I think he's going to continue. And if you remember what happened last time, I think it took Speaker McCarthy uh, somewhere around 14 rounds. Uh, Brianna, we shouldn't be in this position. I mean, 208 Democrats voted with eight Republicans to put us here. But he, uh, let Kevin me ask you, and, sir, he was never... McCarthy was never in a hole this deep. I'm, I'm sorry? McCarthy was never in a hole this deep. But, but Speaker McCarthy w was elected, and he was the Speaker of the House. He was the largest Republican fundraiser ever uh, for us as House Republicans. I mean, the Democrats knew what they were doing when they put up 208 votes to take him out of, out of the speakership, and that's what created... Uh, the current situation that we're in. So then we they had a conference meeting. They, they they didn't take him out of the speakership. I mean, you you guys sure are the majority. But, but, but you guys but you guys are the majority, right? Ninety six percent of the votes came from Democrats, though, Brianna. I mean, I mean, just factually speaking, there were only eight Republicans, and there were two hundred eight Democrats. I mean, two hundred eight Democrats. But sir, who's voted. in the majority? Uh, well, the Democrats were the majority of that vote, and when we no, have a very no, who's small in the margin, majority in the House of Representatives? The Republicans are in the majority, but the Democrats provided the majority of the votes to take Kevin McCarthy out of the speakership. In fact, but they provided 96% of the votes. Republicans provided the key votes. They're in the majority. They can provide enough votes, obviously, to put a Republican speaker uh, Brianna, in the place. The Democrats provided 96% of the votes. 208 Democrats voted to remove the Republican Speaker of the House. Eight Republicans voted to remove the Republican Speaker of the House. So 96% of the votes came from Democrats to remove the Republican Speaker of the House. I, I will they say, I find the it... the fundraiser that we've ever had. Some, they knew what it's they some were interesting, doing. It's some interesting verbal gymnastics. I will give you that. Um, but I want to talk about the future here. What do you mean gymnastics? Um, I'm just talking about the facts. 208 Democrats voted. There were the vast majority of the vote to take Kevin McCarthy out of the speakership. Well, I'm talking about how it works. And that is that the I majority in the House of Representatives, your party, is responsible for electing the Speaker, not the Democrats. We are. Do you think, can I ask you this, do you think that there's going to be another vote today? Because we're I, uncertain I on that. I absolutely believe there will be another vote today. And, uh, you know, I don't know exactly what time that will be. But I'm, I'm not sure what, what I'm missing here with you, because 208 Democrats voted with eight Republicans to take the largest Republican fundraiser out of the speakership. This was a pretty calculated decision by the Democrats. I get it, it was, we had it was Republicans. A, here's why, sir, because it was a Republican who filed the motion to vacate. It was. It was a Republican that had very, very personal differences with Kevin McCarthy. All right, so Jordan lost 22 Republicans. So, Rebecca, what he's saying is, damn it, they have too much unity.
<laughs> and we don't. So it's their fault. They're unified. And these are the same people who are going from school board meeting to school board meeting, determining what curriculum is being taught to students. And they can't even do math. You know, and he's also that guy, that particular guy, um, Congressman Scott, is going to get reelected again in Georgia. So there's a part of me that really wants Hakeem Jeffries to take out an ad in The Washington Post tomorrow and say, hey, look, this is the prisoner's dilemma. I got five slots for y'all. The first five Republicans who come over and decide that you're going to go ahead and coalesce um, with the Democratic caucus. We're we're not going to run anyone against you. Like right now, there's 18 Republicans who are in Biden districts. I do think there could be a deal that could be cut to actually make Hakeem Jeffries um, the Speaker of the House in this particular Congress. I'm not sure if Democrats actually want to help Republicans solve this issue, Hell but I no. think it would be. And I don't think they should help Republicans solve this issue. But I will say I personally would rather a Speaker Hakeem Jeffries in this particular um, Congress than a Speaker fill in the box on the other side. So I do think that is something that could be on the table. I'm just not sure if strategically if Democrats think it's a good idea. Um, they might think that, hey, if we don't, if we allow Republicans to continue to flounder, mm. that guarantees that we get back the majority um, November 2024. And that is a deferred calculation. Or they could calculate now and figure out if it's worth actually getting that speakership in this Congress. Uh, President Biden was on the plane, and he got asked this question here. I'm feeling what he had to say. I mean, what? Do you, you have a view of Jim Jordan's current predicament and I'm unable to secure the speakership? I ate for him. <laughs> no. <laughs> Zero. None. Mr. President? I mean, what? Ah! He said, I ate for him. No, no, Zero. Hell, hell no, Joe. I ain't helping y'all with a damn thing. I, if, if, if I'm Hakeem Jeffries, I'm going to sit over there and chill. I'm going to let them introduce me again. I'm going to keep getting my 212. I'm going to let them fools over there look stupid every day. You keep asking me these questions where I have to answer by quoting Bishop Bullwinkle. Uh, hell to the no, no, no. <laughs> um, and, and so basically what has to happen is, see, America needs to understand that when you have uh, the folks in charge that you have, and folks that some of whom want, at least some of whom are okay with seeing the world burn, there's going to be consequences. Sometimes, you know, I understand grace and mercy and everything else, but I remember there'd be times when, you know, whether it's your mama or your minister, somebody would say, you know what, at some level, someone needs to feel the consequences of what it is that they're doing. And the American people need to see that these guys aren't on the same page even as it comes to much of anything, to be honest with you. And the idea that Jim Jordan would be considered at all. This guy's been in Congress over a decade, has not passed one bill that he's proposed. Not nary, N-A-R-Y, not nary a one, not even one. And the Speaker of the House is supposed to run the Congress and move legislation. What would he possibly know about that? We would be shut down in no time. And so... They need to feel the consequences of their action. I think that uh, I think Rebecca's scenario is a very interesting one. But I think what probably happens is 
Patrick McHenry get some expanded powers and a deal with Democrats uh, that uh, guarantees that certain business gets brought up. Um, I think that that's probably a little bit more likely. Uh, I like I came for 2024. I mean, you let these cats do this another two or three weeks, and a lot of guys on the Republican side are going to be in trouble, at least enough to make a difference and turn it around. But it's absolutely not their responsibility to bail them out of the bad mistakes that they made. McCarthy wanted to be speaker so bad, he made a deal with the devil to do it, which is fundamentally unstable. It should never be that one person with a personal grudge could bring a, um, a floor vote uh, to have uh, the speaker removed. It should never happen, particularly with them knowing what's going on in their party. You know, it's like the, you know, the person that gets, gets you know, uh, that, that goes and hangs out with the snake and, 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 and lays with the snake and, and, and walks around with the snake, and they end up either getting suffocated or they get bit. And they go, wait, I treated you nice or whatever else. And the snake goes, but you knew you was a snake when you got with me, when you brought me in here. I'm not, I don't belong here. If I'm a snake, somebody's a snake. Snakes do what snakes do. And so, therefore, the Republicans have to lay in the bed that they made and the Democrats have to stay on the same page, and hopefully something will get done to allow the business of the country to get done. But the Republicans' issues are on full display. And there's what's going right. on is true. It's not an anomaly. That's where we were going to be, and that's why we uh, are here now. Robert, here's how stupid these people are. These nutcases on the right literally have been threatening the spouses of Republicans sending them threatening text messages and then saying you're going to have challengers if you run again. Here is uh, one of those Republicans uh, speaking about that issue. Give me one second. Pull this up. Because I, 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 I thought this... Now, first of all, again, this is dumb. You, you got no votes to spare, but you out here threatening people... Uh, you already got that fool, Sean Hannity. Uh, his producer's been sending uh, threatening emails, Robert. Uh, but but here is uh, Don Bacon talking about it, it these makes threats. Sense. And, uh, and it backfires. You can win us over. A lot of these, a lot of, some of the younger folks, maybe that, that kind of works, but someone like me, Steve Olmack, Mario Diaz-Blart, you can win us over with an argument that makes sense. You're going to have to convince us, right? And... Threatening us does not work. Now, I'm down threatening man. them. You sending threatening messages to their spouses? Nah. I don't... I think if Jim Jordan... I saw one report they may take another vote tomorrow. He gonna lose more votes. Well, see, the issue is that Jim Jordan ain't got the juice like that. Uh, it, nobody sits around saying, well, if I don't have Jim Jordan support, I can't get reelected in my <laughs> district. I mean, he, he ain't got the juice like that to be threatening people. <laughs> And so, of course, I'm going to take umbrage if somebody who comes threatening me, well, I know you ain't got it like that. Yes, we're going to have... If it was Nancy Pelosi who says to a freshman, look, if you don't support me, you're not getting reelected, she got the juice. So you you know you have to get in line. He does not. But as much as I would love to be a political nihilist in this situation and watch Republicans burn themselves to the ground, the problem is we're on the same plane with them. So they go down, we go down also. 
we have a federal government that will close down in less than 30 days unless there's a continuing resolution or a budget deal. We're entering into the fall of or into the winter of a before election year, meaning that whatever business of this country needs to get done needs to get done by the week after Thanksgiving or it ain't getting done. So that means everything from a continuing uh, from a uh, omnibus spending bill that's going to have to get done. That means social services. That means setting up the budgeting for next year. So we have some actual adult things that need to get done. In addition to two wars going on internationally where the United States is supposed to be the hegemonic power of the world. So as much as it will be fun to watch Republicans self-emulate uh, emulate as much as possible, I think that that coalition speaker has to happen. Jim, uh, Jim Jordan is not going to be able to bring together the Republican Party, but I do think Hakeem Jeffries can find five swing state Republicans and carve out a governing coalition. Nope, you can nope, get a governing coalition happen. in the Senate. You can get a governing coalition in the House. Ain't Regardless happen. of who the speaker is, you have to find a way to get things done because otherwise, it's one thing to watch their plane go down. It's another thing we're on the same damn plane with them. I'm not going to go down with the ship because ain't, of them. Ain't happening. Ain't five, ain't six Republicans going to cross that aisle to vote for Hakeem Jeffries. Don't well, we're not necessarily the vote for Hakeem. They just made the point clear. There's been some talk about Jim uh, Boehner, Liz Cheney, uh, other individuals who could be a coalition speaker listen, just to get the thing going. I'm going to tell you right Something now. I'm a, listen, listen. Congressman Hakeem Bro, Jeffries. I think there's a deal. Uh, oh, oh, one second. Congressman Hakeem Jeffries has been very uh, strong in holding his caucus together. There is no way in hell all 212 Democrats will vote for Liz Cheney. Nope. Now, oh, I, I know that's cute. No, no, not her. I, I know it's... No, 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 no. What I'm saying is her name has been touted as a compromise speaker candidate. I'm telling you right now, 212 Democrats are not going to hold strong and let her ass become House speaker. Just because... Just because... Nor should they. Just because she shows some strength when it came to January 6th. Nah, that ain't happening. Re Rebecca, go ahead. I mean, Liz Cheney should not even be in contention. She is a Cheney, and her dad is her dad. Like, you, we cannot have a Cheney <laughs> as the Speaker of the House. Like, that's just a no-go. I do think that there is a world where a deal could be cut. At this point, it just has to get to 217. I think the real possibility of, of those 18 Republicans, there is a very real possibility that at least half of them aren't going to come back unless they have some type of support. And so one thing that we've noticed out of this Republican caucus is that they crave power. That's the reason why McCarthy even got the position that he got. It's the reason why Mike Gates has been doing what he's been doing. It's the reason why we've seen um, um, Bobard or MTJ um, G um, acting the way they've been acting because it's craving pure power. So the idea of not returning back to Congress is enough for some people to go ahead and cut a deal. It's the reason why I'm calling it the prisoner's dilemma. Because if Hakeem Jeffries says, hey, look, the first five people who come to me and cut a deal, I will cut a deal with you. If you are number six, you don't get a deal. You got to put some fire under them and let them know there is a deal. It's a limited time only, but you have to come to me. You have to come to me, you know, in the next 12 hours. I do think there is a world in which that could happen. I don't know that that happens, but I think it, it don't. It don't. Ain't happening. I'm telling you right now. If you're the Democrat, I get this whole thing as, oh, we got to do the people's bit. Uh-uh. Listen. When people are shooting at each other, this is what you do. <laughs> <laughs>
you duck, you go, y'all done? No, they ain't done. Then you wait to see who, how everybody got shot. That's what you... From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Dude, you let everybody get shot, and then you like, all right, who got all taken out? That's how you respond. You don't well, get, Roland, you don't get in the way of a gun battle. And these fools are picking each other off uh, day by day. But Roland, but these folks ain't shooting at each at other. Some point. Yeah, these people are wearing suicide vests, Roland. They're they're willing to blow the whole thing up and not leave being. And in yes, and you them. let. Listen, and again... Unfortunately, they take us out, too. No, no, no. See, again, when you say they got suicide vests, evacuate the area, crazy man with a bomb. Again, this is about power. You let them blow the joint up. You do that. It affects the House. It affects the Senate. It affects the presidency. Again, the smartest play of the Democrats so far has been to be strong with 212. Democrats typically are the ones, okay, guys, we got to get along. We got to get along. We got to come to compromise. We got to work some out. Man, no, <laughs> let them fools sit here and kill each other. Let them... At some point, that's... so, Roland, if this can stay three weeks from now, four weeks from now, we're, we're in the same place. What happens then? At some Guess point, what? Gonna we going to have a different... turns to, to Democrats. You don't... Wait, so what but, is but the again, power play for Democrats? You don't short-circuit it. If you got to let... If you got to allow this thing to play out over three weeks, you let it. You sit back and go, okay, two weeks. Okay, one week. Now it's crunch time. But I ain't getting in the way right now. I'm going to let them fools take each other out. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to allow, I'm going to allow insanity to be exposed. I'm going to allow them going on television, trashing each other. I'm going to allow them dogging each other out. I'm going to let that thing happen, and I'm going to sit here and say, we united, we united, we united. What y'all want to do? This was almost like 2010 um, Tea Party. Remember when you... So remember the November 2010 election when you had um, the wave where you had a bunch of Tea Partiers um, who got elected, and many of them are no longer in the Congress. But the whole point of that Tea Party was to actually stop STEMI and to paralyze the Congress. Yes. So right now, we're actually seeing the dreams of the Tea Party. We see Congress because... completely shut down. Yes. Nothing's happening. Is that actually good? for a democracy? Yes! Okay, listen, guys, I know, listen, I know Democrats love abiding by that Michelle Obama, when they go low, we go high. Hell no! <laughs> Let, when they go low, you go lower. No, this is about, listen, this is about the future of the country. And you let them people... You got folks walking walk around and talking about, well, look at the moderate Republicans. Ain't no moderate Republicans! They don't exist! You, you let the crazy be exposed. That's all you do. I ain't sitting here doing nothing. I'm gonna let them fools go. And if it goes another week, if it goes two weeks, if it goes three weeks, now the onus is on them. Democrats can say, we ready. 212 on our side. Five of y'all come over. We got a speaker. Y'all can't get y'all act together. So guess what? Who's gonna get blamed for, uh, for the government shutting down? The fools who couldn't elect the speaker, the fools who couldn't get along, Matt Gates who got rid of McCarthy, then they couldn't elect Scalise, then they couldn't elect Scott, and they couldn't elect Jim Jordan. What they want to do? Man, don't get in the way of somebody losing the game. You don't get in the way. Extreme. I, I think that's why the McKinley have a lot of support from their. Right? So a lot of the extreme Republicans have tremendous re, um, support. From um, from their primary Republican voters who are willing to back this, so I don't think we're going to see um, folks in Scott's district who's going to connect and say, "Oh, well, I'm not getting my particular benefits because of Scott." That's not going to happen. Listen, I think the, there are 18, the, the, even McCarthy's district. There are 18 Republicans who won in districts that Biden won. You do nothing because they are going to feel the pressure. That's why you don't do nothing. Real quick, Joe, before I go to break, real quick. That's why I think somebody from that space comes to the Democrats and a deal gets done related to McHenry. That, that's what I think is the most likely scenario. Um, because they're, they, they're going to need... We all need to do something, but they're going to be the ones that are going to feel the pressure of not being in Congress anymore. And I think... Look for that to happen. It, it's unprecedented in a way. It's been a while. But, uh, you know, desperate times calls for desperate actions. Listen, I'm telling y'all, uh, I'm telling y'all right now, um, uh, if any, if any, if any of these Republicans uh, was sitting here uh, trying to, trying to, trying to uh, reach Democrats, trying to get them to bail them out, man, you don't do nothing. You let crazy be crazy. In fact, if they were sit, if, if they even called me, all I do is be sitting here like, mm -mm, we ain't even gonna have this conversation. I'm gonna let y'all just go ahead and be nuts. And then, matter of fact, if I'm the Democrats, just go ahead and put this on.
me crazy. I gotta go to a break. We'll be right back. Roll the button on the filter of Black Sun Network. That's so funny. Peace, I'm Faraji Muhammad, host of The Culture. And brothers, we need to talk. There's been much discussion about the state of the black man in our community. Whether it's in politics, education, or in the home, my brothers, we are struggling to lead the way, which is why The Culture will be hosting the Black Men Summit, where we'll be redefining and celebrating black manhood. This special series will kick off on the 28th anniversary of the historic Million Man March on Monday, October the 16th at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be talking to some of Black America's most prolific, dynamic, thought-provoking Black men activists, scholars, and leaders about our role, our power, and our future. So tune in and join the conversation as an online culture crew member for the Culture's Black Men Summit, redefining and celebrating Black manhood. Starting Monday, October 16th through Friday, October 20th, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, each day, right here, exclusively here on the Black Star Network. America's Wealth Coach and host of Get Wealthy. Let me hit you with a few numbers. African Americans spend nine times the amount on ethnic beauty products and yet only own 1% of the beauty supply stores. It's an $18 billion industry. On the next Get Wealthy, you're gonna learn and hear from a woman who's turning this obstacle into an opportunity. We literally take you from A to Z on all of the things step-by-step step, you need to have in place to open and run a very successful beauty supply store. That's right here with me, Deborah Owens, host of Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network. What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Latasha, from the A. And you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Folks, uh, went into a war zone today, went to Israel uh, to meet with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, he was supposed, of course, be having a summit in Jordan, but because of uh, the hospital strike that uh, where folks were killed, uh, that uh, summit uh, with the head of Jordan, the head of the, Palestine, the PLO, was actually canceled. Now, Biden warned those factions about attacking uh, and promised to ask Congress for an unprecedented support package for Israel's defense uh, later this week. Here's some of his remarks. The state of Israel was born to be a safe place for the Jewish people of the world. That's why I was born. Long said, if Israel didn't exist, we'd have to invent it. While it may not feel that way today, Israel must again be a safe place for the Jewish people. And I promise you, we're going to do everything in our power to make sure there will be. 75 years ago, just 11 minutes after its founding, President Harry S. Truman and the United States of America became the first nation to recognize Israel. We've stood by your side ever since, 
We're going to stand by your side now. My administration was in close touch with your leadership from the first moments of this attack. We're going to make sure we have what you have what you need to protect your people, to defend your nation. For decades, we've ensured Israel's qualitative military edge. And later this week, I'm going to ask the United States Congress for an unprecedented support package for Israel's defense. We're going to keep Iron Dome fully Mr. McMahon is Allison is the Senior Director of National Security and International Policy for the Center for American Progress. Allison, glad to have you here. Uh, Allison, here's one of the things that's real interesting here. There were a number of uh, Jewish protesters today in the Cannon Building. They were in front of the White House yesterday. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris yesterday was asked about this uh, by a college student um, uh, with regards to the occupation of Gaza. A lot of young folks on the college campuses uh, have been very critical uh, of Israel. President Biden has to walk a serious tightrope here, proclaiming support for Israel, but he's also, also risking a lot of folks here at home who have a differing view of the occupation. Thoughts? Yeah, thanks so much uh, for having me tonight, Roland. Um, you know, I wish I could say that it's a, a pleasure to to be on the show, but, um, you know, I, I do think I have to acknowledge the reason, obviously, that we're having this conversation is because there's been a great deal of, of human suffering and suffering that continues. Um, you know, it's it's funny that you mentioned the tightrope. I actually had drafted, you know, some some notes and thoughts, uh, you know, before before coming on tonight and tightrope is in my notes in terms of what Biden and the administration um, need to walk in both expressing support for Israel's right to defense, um, but also, you know, ensuring that that we don't see unnecessary escalation, um, because I know that for the Biden administration, this escalation could be, um, you know, it's a, it's a real concern thinking about spillover. Um, the, the point that you raise also in terms of, you know, the concerns maybe that the American public has uh, about the, the situation. I mean, we've really seen polarization, I think, on uh, in terms of the, the public sentiment, um, but also a lot of moderate voices that I think are, are acknowledging the fact that this was a, a really brutal terrorist attack, um, that Hamas is a threat and, and remains a threat right now to um, the security of, of Israelis and that that's something that Israelis feel. Uh, but also, you know, that, that there's a way to bring perpetrators of these attacks to justice that doesn't have to mean collective punishment. Um, it doesn't have to mean the displacement of millions of Palestinians. It doesn't have to mean uh, attacks on, on civilians. It doesn't have to mean civilian casualties. So I think it's important to to kind of to keep that in mind uh, that there there is a way to you know maybe not walk you think about this as a tightrope but actually think about this as a a moral and strategic imperative uh, that you know the U.S. really pushes Israel um, and encourages Israel to to respond in a way and, and to defend itself in a way that is in keeping with international humanitarian law. Um, that minimizes civilian casualties, that avoids collective punishment. Again, that this is not just, you know, the right thing to do because Palestinians are not uh, Hamas, 
but also that, you know, if, if Israel really does want to bring home hostages, um, want to prevent the spread of the conflict and want to prevent, you know, a cycle of, of violence, that, that that's really pragmatically what's necessary as well. You know, I have been um, just, just, again, watching so much here. I mean, you've got Penn, Harvard, Columbia. You've got donors uh, saying they're going to be holding their money, pulling their money because the university is not responding appropriately. You've got people who are saying we're not going to be hiring any of those students who signed those letters. Now you've got people... Uh, people are, I mean, like, look, these people were trying to break, people were, were blasting Alicia Keys because she answered the question by paragliding and then trying to say, oh, she's wearing the Hamas colors. I mean, you, you literally have this, this, these battle lines that are being drawn uh, and now you have President Biden there talking about an unprecedented aid package. You already got a bunch of people who are angry with the billions that we've sent to Ukraine if this Congress approves sending 10, 20, 30 billion, whatever, to Israel, you're going to have uh, you're going to have people who are saying absolutely that's the right position. Others are saying that's absolutely the wrong position. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, 2023 is not 2003 in terms of the worldview and how people are responding to this attack and this war that we're now looking at. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree on that. I think we have seen absolutely a shift in, in sentiment. I think that there's a growing awareness and, and really, you know, as we've seen over the past um, 10 years and particularly um, under the government of Benjamin Netanyahu, you know, a, a, a real escalation in, you know, the building of settlements um, in the West Bank. Um, we've seen escalations in violence. I mean, even before these uh, the Hamas attacks and um, you know the Israeli bombardments and, and the counteroffensive, 2023 was already the deadliest year uh, in terms of tensions between Palestinians and Israelis. And so I think that there's an understanding, as you said, it, certainly in the international community. Um, you know, when it comes to the the rulings, the international legal rulings on this, you know, there's an understanding that this the status quo uh, in terms of how you know between Israel and Gaza, or excuse me, Israel and Palestine, um, the status quo of occupation, um, you know, of settlements, et cetera, that that this was was not going to hold. And you know, really tragically, you know, I think that that we are are seeing that now. I guess the the question that we you know need to kind of you know we'll we'll be looking at is what does that mean practically in terms of of policy um, whether that's the administration's policy um, or whether that's you know how Congress appropriates and and obviously you know that status quo changed but but also changed in a way that's been extremely bloody and brutal and and traumatic and so. Um, we understand, you know, we, we see that there's been a response, and, and I think the right response, which is to express solidarity with Israel and with Israelis, um, you know, as they are continuing to to mourn the dead that were, um, you know, we all saw, you know, really horrific um, images, really, you know, horrific developments that happened there. The question then is, you know, what 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 does that solidarity mean materially? Which is, I think, you know, the, what what you're getting at. What does that mean actually in terms of a, a defense package? 
Um, Israel is already the number one recipient of U.S. security assistance. Israel already has one of the most uh, capable militaries, uh, security architectures in the world, um, and and unfortunately still was not able to to defend against uh, this attack from Hamas. So I, I really do think that it raises the question about what does you know support look like now. We know that the number I think that's being thrown out right now is is as high as a hundred billion dollars uh, in terms of the the aid request um, that that the Biden administration would be making to Congress, not necessarily all for aid to Israel, but but overall. Um, Congress is going to need to to consider that. And I think that the, you know, the sentiments in Congress are, again, support um, for Israel's right to to defense um, and understanding that, again, perpetrators need to be brought to justice. But if that budget request includes offensive weapons, I think it's going to be much, much harder for Congress to, um, you know, look at, at a military aid package that would have any kind of, you know, offensive weapons and to pass that. So, and of course, that's leaving aside like a whole other set of questions around, um, you know, what legislation Congress is going to be able to pass. And I know you just had this segment about the, um, you know, let's call it the mess that's happening in the House. So, so I think a lot of questions really about, you know, materially, what is this support going to? What's what is this going to look like? And I think we'll we'll find out a bit more on that over the next weeks. Um, but as you as you rightfully noted. You know, I don't see this as being a a blank check uh, to Israel. I think you know what we're seeing from the administration and from Congress is an expression of solidarity, an expression of support. Um, but really, we'll we'll find out what that means materially in the next weeks. Uh, question for the panel, Rebecca, you first. Yes, thank you so much for being here tonight. Um, in um, President Biden's remarks earlier, he also mentioned that a part of the um, package that the United States uh, will potentially send over will include humanitarian aid um, towards the Palestinians. It's my understanding in the past that previous um, humanitarian packages for Palestinians um, didn't go directly to the Palestinians, but actually went to the Israeli government that in turn um, provided food, water, and electricity to the Palestinians. Um, what happens um, to Palestinian aid now um, in the considering um, the current um, set of events? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think the humanitarian aid, the package, like there's still a lot of um, there's a lot of questions around how this is going to be structured and delivered. We do know that there's been a new uh, special envoy who's been appointed specifically to deal with um, issues of humanitarian assistance. That's David Satterfield. So obviously, this is something that the administration is thinking about in a more robust way. Um, you know, if we look at Biden's trip to to Israel, and as Roland mentioned, was supposed to also include a stop to Jordan, uh, which didn't happen. Humanitarian assistance was one of the the main priorities uh, on that trip. I was really encouraged to see that some humanitarian assistance is now going to be let in through Egypt, um, and Egypt has, you know, been sort of positioned to send some of that aid into to Gaza. Of course, when Blinken went to Egypt and met with President Sisi, 
he was unsuccessful in having a more robust uh, humanitarian assistance deal um, that would also, you know, consider the question of what happens to 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 the many, many refugees um, and, and those who have been forcibly displaced by this conflict, because uh, there are a lot of questions about who would, would house these refugees and a lot of assistance that's going to be needed to mobilize those who are not just in Gaza, but but end up outside of Gaza as well. Um, so you're, you're, you know, raising good questions. I don't know what the answers are now. I do know that, you know, the $100 million so far that, that Biden has said it will be mobilized, that's going to need to to go up. I mean, there's going to just need to be a lot more humanitarian aid mobilized in Gaza, outside of Gaza as well. Joe? At the risk of, thank you for everything that you're doing. Um, at the risk of asking an incredibly broad question, I'll qualify it. I'm going to ask you where we go from here. But we're looking at the playing field, and I see a lot of things. Among other things, I see uh, this situation where Israel has become more politically unstable that, uh, you know, perhaps contributed to this situation happening in the back door. The prime minister was worrying about some different things, including quelling dissension um, uh, related to the Supreme Court and some of the things that he was doing. I also see some potential lessons even for our country as it pertains to political instability. But what should be, here's a better question, what should be our focus for those of us that are concerned about uh, not only protecting Israel, but preventing to de the dehumanization of the Palestinian people, innocent people who just want to live in their homes and to live their lives. Where should our focus be? Yeah, it's a really good question. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 
question, and I think we have to to consider different horizons of urgency right now. I mean, the first horizon of urgency is really, you know, containment, containing this this conflict and not seeing any more escalation. And when we look again at that kind of tightrope that the administration's been walking, it's been, you know, Biden mentioned, you know, and alluded to restraint on this trip, but we haven't necessarily seen calls for for de-escalation. Uh, and I think, you know, again, the looking at this attack, and I know that there's um, still inconclusive evidence about the provenance of the attack on, a, on the hospital, but, you know, the overwhelming response uh, to that attack that's been seen, you know, across the Arab world, but really across the entire world, um, really keeping an eye on the the, the very serious um, escalations, you know, that's been a bit bit slower, but quite fragile uh, situation with Hezbollah um, and and the the sort of unknowns around what Iran's role may be in this conflict. So really, I mean, we're, we are still looking at an extremely tenuous conflict situation that could continue to erupt um, with really disastrous consequences for the region. So I would say that's the first you know, a uh, horizon of, of urgency is just making sure um, and, and seeing that the U.S. is doing everything that it can with Israel to, you know, really make appeals for for ensuring that this conflict does not continue to escalate and, and spill over. You know, the second, I would say, equally urgent situation is the humanitarian situation. I mean, the, 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 we're talking million, you know, over a million Palestinians who have been displaced, some that, that needed to pick up and move with immediate notice. Um, people have nowhere to go. You know, there's been access to water is, is a huge concern. Access to medical supplies is a huge concern. Access to food. You know, bombardments have now killed uh, the latest that I had seen from UN, over 4,200 Palestinians, children. Journalists, aid workers, UN staff, um, thousands—you know—more are, are feared dead because they're because of the, the the situation in which the bombardments are occurring. You know, people are stuck under rubble. I mean, really, we are looking at an, an unfolding humanitarian catastrophe. And the 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 first urgent situation in terms of escalation is not unrelated to the second urgent situation in terms of the, the humanitarian situation. So those, I think, are the two immediate priorities. Um, and then, you know, you're raising, again, good questions about then, then what's next. I, we don't know, you know, where this conflict is going to end at this point. Um, but we do know that there is going to, you know, at some point we, we will need to start grappling with the, the questions of, of what happens next. And I think where the um, you know where where this conflict leaves the Israeli government, obviously there's a lot of frustration with Netanyahu, um, and and how Netanyahu handled uh, you know the 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 context that that led up to this and and you know calls that had been made that again the status quo wasn't going to hold that there should be concerns about um, you know potential uh, potential eruption. So a lot of frustrations with Netanyahu. Obviously, there's a unity government right now, um, but but what this is going to mean for his position and what this means for the Israeli government moving forward, you know, again, I don't I don't have a crystal ball, but I know that that's there's going to be some some fundamental changes there, and there's going to have to be uh, some real reckoning also with 
you know, what's the status quo of the situation for, for Palestinians? I think here there's an opportunity again for the U.S. to um, to push for for a recognition that the you know the the continued settlement expansion uh, in the West Bank and in Jerusalem um, is is creating really serious problems that you know we've seen uh, that, that international law is is clear about you know where some of these these lines are. Um, the situation in terms of the the simple human rights, access to opportunity, access to economic opportunity uh, for Palestinians has has really been neglected for for far too long. Um, but then there's a whole other set of questions about what sort of the you know who's going to be the authority who can speak and negotiate political authority. I'm saying who'll be able to speak and negotiate on behalf of Palestinians. Um, and, and that's a really open question as well. You know, and then I, I also think just since we've we've sort of alluded to it, but the the polarization and, and I don't even think polarization quite quite captures it. I think really the the violent rhetoric that we've seen, you know, uh, around this conflict, I'm not even going to say on both sides, because I just think it's been kind of all around. We, we've already seen that has been reflected in hate crimes, um, you know, a, a six year old boy was killed in um, the, the environs of Chicago simply because he was Palestinian and, and his landlord had been radicalized by, you know, hearing this, the dehumanizing language, I think, that you're referring to. And I also think that that's, that's sort of a, a legacy, you know, and, and there's a, there's that, that, that we're going to have to grapple with as well. And so that's also a huge concern. All right. Allison McManus, we surely appreciate you joining us. Uh, thanks a bunch. We'll, as you say, we'll have to see how this all unfolds. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, folks, got to go to break. We'll be back. Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Stud Network. Please, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, y'all. We should easily be above 1,000. It should be close to 2,000 likes. Also, your support for us is critical, your financial support. Uh, and so I went to the mailbox today, stuffed with checks and mail, or, uh, and, um, and of course, um, um, uh, cashier's checks, people were sending uh, all, all sort of stuff, and so we appreciate that. Uh, we still are about 275000 behind our goal, folks. Uh, and so uh, you can see your check and money or it's the PO Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash App is Dallas at RM Unfiltered. PayPal's our Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale, Roland at RolandSMartin.com. Roland at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Be sure, of course, download the Black Star Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. And you can watch our 24-hour streaming channel now on four different fast channels. You can check us out on uh, Amazon News. Simply go to Amazon Fire, go to Amazon News, or tell Alexa, play news for the Black Star Network. Well, Plex TV, you can catch us there as well. And, of course, now on Amazon Freebie and Amazon Prime Video. Go to Live TV, click on that, you'll see our Black Star Network news channel right alongside all the other, other major news networks. And don't forget to get a copy of my book, White Fear, How the Browning of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds. Available bookstores nationwide. Ben Bella Books, Amazon, Barnes Noble, IndieBound, Bookshop, Chapters, Books a Million, Target. And of course, for those of you who 
uh, have issues you don't want to read, you can always, of course, uh, get the, um, you can always get the um, uh, audio version. Yes, I read the audio version. It's an audible. So please, please check that out. And uh, speaking of that, Friday, for, uh, for Friday, we're going to be uh, in Atlanta. There's the gospel concert taking place on Friday. Guys, no, that's not it. No, the gospel concert, McDonald's gospel concert. If y'all could pull that up, please, on Friday, if y'all have that. If not, uh, nope, that's not it right there, y'all. It's the gospel. All right, so the gospel concert taking place on Friday. New Birth, New Birth Missionary Baptist Church. Uh, of course, McDonald's Inspiration uh, Gospel Tour. But on Sunday, I'm going to be back at New Birth uh, for a book signing for my book, White Fear, with Pastor Jamal Bryant. Y'all go to it now uh, on my iPad. Let's go to it on my iPad. There you go. All right. So I'm going to be at New Birth on Sunday. On Sunday, uh, signing copies of my book, White Fear. Uh, so look forward to being there. 9.30 a.m. Sunday, New Birth. So again, Friday, the gospel concert with McDonald's. Sunday, the book signing there. It is homecoming weekend for Clark Atlanta. And looking forward to being part of the festivities. I'll be right back. On a next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie. Being of service to others is one of the greatest callings in life. But being there for someone else in their time of crisis is a whole new level, and you have to bring courage, commitment, and strength. On our next show, we meet two real-life angels who were thrust in the midst of caregiving and without warning. And he was looking strange and um, couldn't cut his meat. And it was very odd. And I said, well, what's wrong? And he says, I think I've had a stroke. And so, of course, it scared scared me. And um, we literally got in the car and he walked into the hospital on a Thursday. And by Saturday of that same week, he lost um, all control of his left side. The blessings, the challenges, and the way they maintain their balance, all next on A Balanced Life on Black Star Network. When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, you're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause too long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in Black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We're going to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Check some money orders. Go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 200-37- 0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Me, Sherry Shepard, and you know what you're watching Rolling Martin Unfiltered. BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. 
This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Folks, the governor of North Carolina and voting rights groups are suing Republicans over uh, their continued voter suppression. Uh, governor Roy Cooper filed a lawsuit over a measure that eliminates his authority to pick election board members, while voting rights groups filed another lawsuit challenging the law's provisions that discourage young people from voting. Cooper said the board changes, which take effect January 1st, 
do not align with the state constitution and state Supreme Court rulings of the 2010s that give the governor control over executive agencies to carry out law. State voters also rejected a 2018 referendum giving lawmakers more say over the election board's composition. Republican-controlled General Assembly overrode Cooper's vetoes on both bills last week. Republicans say the elections board law will create bipartisan consensus on election administration, but Cooper calls it a power grab by the GOP. And, and Rebecca, that's the real deal. We're seeing this all around the country, where Republicans pissed off, where they don't control everything. So what they are now doing is they are now changing the laws. We see this happening in North Carolina. With North Carolina, we see this happening in Wisconsin. We see this happening all the places where you have Democratic governors, where you have Democratic governors, and then you have Republicans that control the legislature. Yeah, like back in the spring, um, there's a GOP attorney, I believe her name is Cleta Mitchell. She announced to a room full of GOP donors, like, hey, our playbook for 2024 is to reduce the number of college students who are voting, um, narrow down the window of early, you know, early in-person voting, try to decrease vote by mail, and make it harder for people to get registered to vote. She literally laid out to um, Republican donors, this is our strategy to win in 2024. And so what we're seeing is we're seeing Cleta Mitchell's advice being taken by um, Republican lawmakers all across the country. Uh, and, and the thing here, uh, Joe, I mean, I keep making this point to our people all the time. I mean, guess what happens when we don't vote? Then they get these supermajorities and they can do whatever they want. And so it's one thing voting for the governor's race, but you got to vote for state rep and state senate as well and state Supreme Court. Absolutely. You got to vote all the way up and all the way down the line. Um, you know, the the, the uh, re Republican tagline seems to be, well, you know, if you don't win elections, take the power away of the person that did. And so ever since Jim Cooper uh, won, um, Governor Cooper won in, in North Carolina, they've been trying to strip away powers uh, all day long, and they've constantly done it, in, and in many ways. And you know, in, in most textbooks, they'll say uh, that uh, the legislative branch passes laws, and the executive branch actually carries them out. Uh, and, and so, therefore, here they are in a situation where they're basically trying to take away uh, more of uh, the executive's power in terms of what the executive is actually supposed to do. It's not an argument about. Uh, an honest debate about uh, about ideas anymore. I just think that the other side, uh, the Republicans, uh, the ones that are standing in the front at least, understand that they're that they're outnumbered and or that their ideas are unpopular um, uh, to a large extent. Um, and and so therefore you want to uh, narrow the number of people voting. Uh, get rid of as many young voters, get rid of as many voters of color as you possibly can, and take the power away of those that uh, unfortunately slip through and get elected uh, by people when people are concerned enough to go vote. And uh, so this is something that we have to pay attention to and be vigilant about uh, all over the place uh, because it's happening all over the place. You know, uh, you know Robert, uh, I mean, it, again, I mean, it, it's unbelievable um, <laughs> what they do. Uh, again, stripping the governor of powers. Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers, uh, same things. Just complaining just the other day. Uh, them doing the exact same thing. They, they, they actually they fired seven of his appointees because they their deal is we can. 
Absolutely. And look, we're talking about this as if this is a new concept. We've been, been saying in the civil rights community, this is what Republicans have wanted to do for the last 25 years. And they've been working on this through redistricting in 2010, through redistricting in 2020 to try to take over these state and local races. Uh, we talked about the fact that from the time Obama was elected till he left office, Democrats lost something like 1,044 seats nationwide. Democrats have to understand you have to win these state and local seats. One thing that you can say about President Trump is if you are running for dog catcher and you are on the MAGA agenda, he will bring the entire monster truck rally down to your small town. He'll come down to Dalton, Georgia, bring you on stage, put you um, knock on doors where you contribute money. We have to start campaigning in these state and local races because these folks don't give a damn about democracy. They care about power, the maintenance of it, and the extension of it. And because of that, the entire conceptualization of a, a pluralistic Republican democracy is now in question because we have seen over and over again that if Republicans don't win a race, they will simply change the rules to make sure they win next time. Uh, and uh, to Rebecca's point, Vivek Ramswani is now explicitly running on a platform of voter suppression. He is saying, I want to amend the Constitution to raise the voting rates to uh, 25 years of age. I want to get rid of all early voting and have only day of election uh, paper ballots for all the elections. He wants to get rid of uh, the De uh, Department of Justice's oversight on all federal elections. They are now saying the quiet part, not just out loud, they are making their campaign strategy. Their new strategy is directly on this conceptualization of mainstreaming voter suppression so they can maintain political power despite not having the same uh, sorts of democratic uh, demographic advantages they've had in the past. And we can either sit here and wait around and then find out once they're done what they're doing, or we can start fighting back right now. I, there has to be a bigger investment on the ground on state and local races all across the country, red states and blue states alike, because if we look across the South, if we look across the demographics, there's no reason there should be a constitutional, constitutional majority for Republicans in the Georgia House of Representatives based on the population. Same thing for South Carolina, same thing for Mississippi, same thing for Alabama. And we vote our numbers, we take power. We are not putting the money in and the organization strength in to bring those elections along. It's not all about just electing a president or United States senators. You have to elect the entire team if you want to build that farm system and get things done, and that's where the focus has to be on for 2024. Well, and what I keep saying, uh, Rebecca, is uh, folks, I'm tired of you complaining after the fact. I mean, I, I don't want to hear complaints when the election is over. I don't want to hear you complaining about, oh, uh, look at the bills that they're passing. All these folks in Florida complaining about Ron DeSantis, how many of them didn't vote in 2018? You know, absolutely, because we know in 2018 uh, in Florida, that race was decided by less than 33,000 votes. Less than 33,000 votes, and DeSantis would never become um, governor of the state of Florida. Um, so here's the thing. You, you just mentioned what can we do. Well, this is what we know. November 7th, we have um, an election um, in Ohio. There's two ballot in it, uh, issues. One is on uh, the recreational um, use of marijuana. Um, that's um, issue number two. And issue number one is about reproductive health. It's about access to fertility treatments as well, and also access to um, birth control. We know in Pennsylvania, we have a set of elections that's coming up that's dealing with making uh, its um, two Supreme Court um, judge races that's on the ballot. In Virginia, the entire assembly in both the delegate side and the Senate side is up for election. Um, so there are things to vote for. Or even in Harris County, um, there is 
is there's a, a mayor's race that's coming up as well as some local elections. So uh, there are things that people can do now. And just like what Robert just said, we have to show up and vote our numbers because the bottom line, the math is the math. Even with redistricting, even with other forms of gerrymandering, even with calling um, uh, voters, uh, removing them off of um, the uh, the the poll the removing them off of the voter rolls. If those of us who are registered to vote actually show up to vote, we actually bring positive change, and that's something that simply no one can take away from us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about something else, y'all, that I find to be quite interesting. Uh, and that is, you know, uh, now all of a sudden you've got uh, football players, college players uh, who, can, who can make money, who can make money through name, image, and likeness, which they should. So here's what's interesting. There was a congressional committee uh, today. Uh, they were talking about a name, image, and likeness bill, and it came up in the Senate. Uh, and, and here's what's interesting here. So Maria Cantwell, uh, who is the chair of this committee, uh, this is what was said. This is from a USA Today article. But why don't you take this out? It said Maria Cantwell said the committee came close to agreement on a bill in the last congressional session that was more narrowly tailored just to NIL, but included elements of proposals from Senators Roger Wicker, Republican Mississippi, who had been the committee's chair, and for Richard Blumenthal, Democrat Connecticut, and Cory Booker, Democrat New Jersey, who have been and remain strong advocates of legislation that would address a range of issues beyond NIL, including athlete health, safety, and welfare. But this is interesting. However, she said, the problem was, at that point, a lot of people wanted to jettison the HBCUs from Division I and we didn't think that was such a good idea. And we weren't for that for a bunch of different reasons. And so the negotiations fell apart over that issue. I find that to be interesting that they wanted to jettison HBCUs from Division I. Hmm. I wonder, Robert, if that came up because Deion Sanders was at Jackson State and signed the number one recruit in the country, Travis Hunter. Uh, as the, the prophet most deaf once said, you start keeping pace, they start switching up the tempo. Uh, and that's what we're seeing, that uh, in this case, now there's been a blueprint put in place, and we're seeing people like Eddie George uh, follow that uh, blueprint and been revolutionized in his own way. We're seeing Hugh Jackson do the same thing at uh, Jackson State. Now that we're seeing that uh, once you take away Nick Saban and uh, uh, D uh, Dabo Sweeney's ability to basically pay players and pay an NFL team to come to Alabama or to come to Clemson, and etc. Now there's an even playing field. A lot of these coaches are getting exposed. <laughs> and what we know is that once uh, once black players start going to black schools and institutions, and you start making Alabama depend on only having you know Tyler and Tucker and Jimbo uh, play for them, they won't be able to compete anymore. So they are now taking preemptive legislative action to make sure that never happens. These state state schools will be out of business in a couple weeks, in a couple months, if black players start going to HBC 
HBCUs and they know they have to do something to keep these institutions alive, to keep that money rolling in for boosters and keep that money rolling in for the state. Because what we uh, what we have seen for generations are these coaches show up in, under the guise of recruiting. They buy mama a truck. They buy uh, no, uh, dad a couple suits. They put a couple hundred thousand dollars in a player's pocket and then they basically have bought their services at university. Well, now I can make the millions I'm actually owed through NIL so I don't need to get you a little uh, stinky booster money. I can actually support my family based on the work that I do and the work that I put in. That scares the hell out of them. Black economic independence is the scariest thing to the establishment of white America. You know, the, the thing that I find to be interesting about all of these folks, um, Joe, is, oh, now, oh, well, we got to have some legislation because what they don't like is you got, you got the fact that um, like, take an Angel Reese. Angel Reese uh, just signed with Reebok, okay? Uh, Shaq was named the head of basketball at Reebok, so he, one of the first people he signed was Angel Reese. And then I saw a story where the uh, Caleb Williams, a quarterback at USC, can make more money through NIL deals next year than he could make. And that, this is crazy. And I think it is crazy. And that should apply to these fools. Because what they're doing is they're screwing black players. They're pissed. They're now pissed because they're making millions. Caleb Williams can make more money, more money at USC next year than he could as a rookie of the NFL. And so now all of a sudden, oh, this is not right. This is not fair. Now, mind you, Joe, the head of the NCAA was making $2 million. He ain't bounced one ball. He ain't thrown right. no ball. Making right. $2 million. You now have head coaches making, look, 9 and $10 million. The head coach at Texas A&M, he ain't won shit. Jimbo Fisher making $9.5 million. He ain't won nothing. Dabo Sweeney at Clemson complaining about name, image, and likeness. Oh, but he making almost $10 million. Nick Saban, you got uh, Harbaugh at Michigan. All these cats. They are making crazy amounts of money, but now all of a sudden, oh, we got to regulate this. We, we got to regulate this. These players, what's going on out here? It's called, but is it, here's what I love. I thought Republicans love the free market. Oh, we love the free market till them black ball players start getting paid. That's right, and everybody loves a winner. And I forget what school it is, if it's Florida, it's one of the schools in the South. They are planning to build a new stadium. Um, that is in their financial plan. And so basically, you are relying on kids right now that are somewhere between probably the sixth and the 10th grade to build you a $100 million stadium with their talent. And so anything that has the potential to dilute that or to take that in another direction is something that they're going to be against. And, of course, Dion has shown them, has shown the way and reminded. And, you know, we've had good black players at, at HBCUs and uh, for, for a long time, but good programs that can compete and do the things that they need to do and recruit strong teams, not just one good person or two good people or whatever else. That's a little bit different. And so folks like... Uh, uh, Saban and 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 Sweeney and Fisher, many of whom just get recycled, uh, you know, uh, in and out of uh, different places in football. You know, uh, Sarkeesian, who's who's a good coach, but but still, you know, perspective is in order on all of this. Um, you know, once NIL happened and folks could 
have their hustle be what they needed it to be. Um, now they wanted to look at it differently because it has the potential to affect them negatively. So here we are again. You know, we like the free market and, until it's benefiting folks other than us. We like uh, this particular law um, or how this particular place is set up or how this particular district is set up until the numbers get so where we're outnumbered and we're going to lose. Um, and so it's all about changing the game. And this is another example of changing the game. It's amazing that it takes someone as amazing as Deion Sanders. It takes these folks that are excellent and that are extraordinary uh, to, uh, to flip the script because of everything that we're going against and we're fighting against. But hopefully we continue to be aware of what's going on, watching it as it's going on, and making sure that we take our stands and so that these kids have choices of where to go to school. They don't necessarily have to go to Alabama. If they want to go to Alabama, God bless them. But if they want to go to Jackson State, that's fine, too. But he, uh, except the guys at Alabama don't necessarily like that. But, but here's why I think this is so hilarious, Rebecca. All, so I'm sitting here listening, looking at this story here, and now they're talking about, oh, this is unfair. We got to do something because we just can't have a few conferences getting all the money. Guess what? TV is driving this. It's TV. TV money is driving the power conferences. Uh, the Pac-12 blew up because USC and UCLA left the Pac-12 uh, because over a TV deal. Okay, then they were like, we don't want the rest of the Pac-12. Why do they want, why were they, why do they, why do they change? Why couldn't they get a real TV deal? Because LA, USC and UCLA are both in Los Angeles. And the rest of them schools, they in no-nothing no markets. I'm just being honest, and it's all TV deal. So there are power five conferences. It's not going to be a power four. It's probably going to get to the point where you're only going to have two conferences, where you're going to have maybe the top 30 teams uh, competing and then making all the money. And so Congress can sit here and do what they want to do, but this is a TV money game, boo. That's all this is. And college football ain't nothing but a minor league NFL. You know, the college football game changed in the 90s. I remember when Notre Dame had signed, what was it, a $100 million contract with NBC yeah. um, to televise all their games. It was a game changer. Like, it really exploded college football because everyone was like, oh, you can do that? And so even now, I, it's all... Even if Congress decided they wanted to interfere and kick HBCUs out of um, Division One. Even Division One has changed. I mean, you now have the FBS versus the FCS. For your viewers, the football bowl, bowl subdivision, which is the highest level in NCAA, and then the FCS, the um, football um, championship subdivision, which is, like, kind of the number two, like, prior to 2006. Girl, old school is Division One, Divi Division One, Division yeah. Two. But, but the point, like you said, is about money, right? And the thing, and bring this back to NIL and with um, the different student athletes, is that we've seen that social media has been an equalizer. Because before, you wanted to go to one of the power schools because you needed exposure, especially if you wanted to make money, i.e., go to the NFL, go to the NBA, um, go to some of the other professional leagues. But no longer, you, you no longer have to go to those power schools in order to get exposure 
You could go on social media, you could go on your Insta, you could go on your TikTok, and you could you could actually show clips of you playing. But not only that, you could actually make money now instead of having to risk injury through your college um, career and risk um, injury. You can make money now, and there's nothing wrong with that. Actually, where I thought you were going to go with NILs, especially with tying this to 2024 and elections, is that we even saw in the Wisconsin Supreme Court special race in the spring, my organization, as an example, we use micro-influencers on campus to push out for students to know, hey, there's an election coming, check your voter registration, make sure you turn out to vote, and these are the issues that are on the ballot that you can use your voice with. We actually have worked with student-athletes um, to use them as micro-influencers on their particular campus to make sure we're getting the word out. I thought where you were going, where um, the Senate was going, was trying to restrict um, what NILs could be used for. No, no, look, I, look, I'm going to tell you right now, what the schools don't like, the, the, the smaller schools don't like that the bigger schools are able to offer more money uh, to the players in bigger NIL deals. But hell, that was always the case when the boosters were giving money under the table. Uh, so that was always the deal. But you know what's interesting, uh, and I'm going to try to pull it up in one second, uh, what we're seeing today uh, was actually uh, what, what Eddie Robinson actually broke down uh, when he testified before Congress uh, in 1984. He talked about then what was going to happen. And what people don't, don't remember, that there was a uh, Supreme Court ruling where the NCAA could not, and Grant Taft, uh, who was head of the Coaches, Coaches uh, Football Association, they sued, uh, and that gave... Uh, so the NCAA used to control TV contracts. Well, then when, that, when they won that lawsuit, then the schools could cut their own deals. That's when the game changed. And so now, uh, and here's the whole deal. When you're watching television, you don't care about some podunk school watching. You want to see the big boys compete. You want to see the Alabamas, the USC's of the world compete. And it's all about eyeballs, about ratings. But here's what Eddie Robinson uh, actually said, testifying before Congress uh, about this very issue. Revenue from television has been the lifeblood for Division I, two a leagues like our conference. Naturally, the loss. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today 
at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA of these revenues will have a devastating effect. It will force curtailment of, of a number of programs and create funding problems for federal compliance with things like Title IX. We have to deal with declining student enrollment and uh, reduce public funding on college revenues. We will not have an opportunity to get the good public relation that is typical of a regional television game or, or the national television game. So it stands that we are naturally locked out. In our conference, in our conference, uh, things like basketball tournament for men and women, golf and baseball playoff, tennis and track championships, all been funded by tel television revenue, uh, and we face serious setbacks. Indeed, monies received from television since 1977 in our league has enabled the Southwestern Athletic Conference, our conference, to wipe out a deficit of $100,000 operating debt and build a league surplus of over half a million dollars and operate at the level of other conferences our side. Television has been our lifeblood. It, was public relation, it has been a public relation catalyst, enabling us to showcase our program. It's been a boom for recruiting. You have to understand, we are locked out with seemingly no place to turn. Gentlemen, I hope that the members of this committee will give every consideration to our problem and, and offer constructive solutions. I feel now that after these years and the great contribution that this organization has made to intercollegiate athletics, that the tail is about to wag the dog. Uh, it is uh, television now. It will be recruiting tomorrow. It will be academic standards after that. Then it will be buying athletes next until the whole college athletic structure tumbles down. I'm pleased to have this opportunity to appear before you. Thank you. Thank you, Coach Robinson. Uh, Mr. Ninus? Sounds like that alpha man was speaking some truth there, and everything that he talked about has literally happened. It's happened, and so we're going to continue to see it happen. Going to a quick break. We'll be right back. Roller Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. All change right. is not growth. Right. But thoughtful change is real good fertilizer. And that's what has been so beneficial to us. But you also were not afraid of the pivot. Well, and I'm a black woman in business. Come on, I don't care how I dress up. I don't care who I'm speaking with. I don't care what part of the world I am in. I still am a black woman in business. Being afraid of the pivot, being fearful of change is not what got me here. Respectful of change, respectful of pivot, yeah. Fearful, no, uh-uh, no. I'm Faraji Muhammad, host of The Culture. And brothers, we need to talk. There's been much discussion about the state of the black man in our community, whether it's in politics, education, or in the home, 
My brothers, we are struggling to lead the way, which is why the culture will be hosting the Black Men Summit, where we'll be redefining and celebrating Black manhood. This special series will kick off on the 28th anniversary of the historic Million Man March on Monday, October the 16th at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be talking to some of Black America's most prolific, dynamic, thought-provoking Black men activists, scholars, and leaders about our role, our power, and our future. So tune in and join the conversation as an online culture crew member for the Culture's Black Men Summit, redefining and celebrating Black manhood. Starting Monday, October 16th through Friday, October 20th, 4 p.m. Eastern Time each day, right here, exclusively here on the Black Star Network. Farquhar, executive producer, a proud family. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, folks, a former Kansas City police officer uh, who killed a Kansas City police officer detective who killed a black man has turned himself in to begin his six-year prison sentence. Uh, the Missouri Court of Appeals for the Western District upheld Eric DeVolcanier's second-degree involuntary manslaughter conviction for killing Cameron Lamb. The three-judge panel found sufficient evidence that DeVolcanier killed Lamb, that he acted with criminal negligence, that he was not justified to use deadly force, and that he illegally entered Lamb's backyard on December 3rd, 2019. DeVolcanier was sentenced to six years in prison, three for the manslaughter charge, and six years for armed criminal action to be served concurrently. He had been free pending his appeal. DeValconeer's lawyer asked the appeals court judges to reinstate his bond so he can remain free pending request for rehearing or an appeal to the Missouri Supreme Court. Keep in mind, uh, Joe, that uh, the governor uh, actually talked about how he was possibly going to pardon him for this. That sparked a lot of outrage they were like, how dare you do this when this was a decision by, uh, by, uh, by, by, by the courts? Yeah, and it looks like the attorney general's office is actually supporting him uh, as well. Um, and so he's got folks all the way up the line that are trying to keep him on the street, um, that are thinking about reversing his conviction, should it be done. But in the meantime, unless and until all of that happens, he should be in jail. He was uh, a, a let out on bond. He could stay out on bond pending the appeal, but the appeal has come back and it's been denied. So in other words, it's time for him to go to jail. Unless until something else happens and we can cross that bridge when we come to it, he should be serving his sentence. So it is very interesting that the folks all the way up uh, the line seem to be okay uh, with him not being accountable. Um, you know, but he has a prison sentence to serve. It looks like the right thing that was convicted. In any event, there hasn't been enough of an appeal uh, or successful appeal where, where there has been some kind of, um, uh, you know, abuse of discretion or whatever else so that anything has been overturned. And so, therefore, he should be serving his sentence. Um, uh, indeed. All right, folks, the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division, uh, they're investigating possible civil rights violations uh, by the Trenton, New Jersey, Police Department. The DOJ probe focuses on allegations that officers 
that have used excessive force, stop people without justification, and illegally search homes and cars. Trenton's Democratic Mayor Reed Guscoria, police, detect- police Director Steve Wilson, and the head of the city's legal department say they will cooperate with federal authorities. The union representing police said the department in the, in the city of about 90,000 people has been plagued with persistent staffing shortages since 2011. Budget cuts forced to lay off 105 officers, nearly a third of the force. The union said police responded to 41 shooting incidents over the past 30 days and have consistently demonstrated commitment, always doing more with less. If the federal probe determines the police department has broken federal law, the DOJ can sue to force changes. Last year, the department's internal affairs unit investigated 128 complaints. Only 14 were sustained. Look, I I get the union complaining, Robert, uh, but I'm sorry. Staffing shortages does not explain away police brutality. Not at all. And I I want for the people online who always say, well, you know, why do we need to vote? Blah, there's no difference between Trump and uh, Biden, et cetera. You know, Waka Flocka Flame, Sexy Red, uh, uh, Yo Jess, or uh, Yo, what's your name, Uh, or then other folks out there. Understand that having a functional Department of Justice and a functional Civil Rights Division makes real changes to policies that affect real people on a daily basis. When Jeff Sessions was the Attorney General, he used the, infe- the uh, Civil Rights Division to investigation descri- to investigate discrimination against white people. Uh, when Bill Barr was in there, they, used it, uh, they were not uh, enforcing consent decrees. They were not investigating um, hate crimes against African Americans. Having a functional Civil Rights Division of the Department of justice is reason enough for you to get out there and vote. So I understand that there are many Gen Z social media influencers who are saying, well, Donald Trump gave you a free check. Donald Trump gave you PPP loans. Donald Trump let folks out of jail in the hood. This is the, these are the things that actually matter, having a civil rights division that will investigate police killing people in your community and abusing people in African-American communities. That's why voting is so important. It's not just the top-line issues. It's the direct issues that affect your communities. I still, Rebecca, don't understand why the Biden administration is not touting all of the great things the DOJ is doing. They're going to have another major decision tomorrow uh, dealing with redlining. So I'm sitting here going, uh, for this administration, you're having wins. You should be touting that, celebrating that. I think that there is a calculation that if they tout too many, quote-unquote, pro-black things, that is going to erode the number of white folks who are going to turn out and support the Biden administration next November 2024. Now, do I think that calculation... But these wins aren't even pro-black. They're literally... They're literally throwing in jail wardens and jail officers and correction officers and police officers, and what they're saying is, hey... You know what? They've given more money to cops, but this is a way to say this is what we're doing to be effective. But yeah, I think I think sort of this fear is like, yeah, you know, this whole, you know, oh, we want to be tough on crime, but that's only when it comes to uh, offenders and not when it comes to the thuggish cops. Right. There's also a misconception that when it comes to uh, ending police brutality, when it comes to demanding that law enforcement officers are actually professional, actually doing their jobs, it's still viewed as a black issue for many white folks, like, you know, in this country. Like, look, I grew up in, quote, unquote, middle America. I grew up in Nebraska. And when you talk about police reform, people view that as a black thing, not a, hey, this is a society thing. We're giving these people a gun 
someone in a badge. We need to make sure that they're professional. They're actually doing their job. Joe? Yeah, I mean, um, we have to do a better job at uh, making sure that people know how the things that the Biden administration, in this case, has accomplished affect their day-to-day -day lives for the better. And to remind, let's connect what's going on in Congress right now and saying, so right now, nobody's voting because there's no leadership. But when they were voting, let's talk about what they were voting for, or more to the point, what they weren't voting for. Didn't vote for the infrastructure package, largely. There were a few. Um, didn't vote for uh, some of the other things that got done. Much, much, most of the biggest legislative achievements that affect people's lives on a day-to-day -day basis, Republicans did not vote for. And so it really has to uh, be made part of the narrative to let folks know, here's the things that have been accomplished, and you think that this election is about Biden being old. First of all, if you're voting for Trump, you know, it's kind of a horse of peace because he's only a couple years younger. Second of all, this election is about preserving democracy. And so they really have to be intentional about making sure that we paint that narrative because it's the right one. Uh, indeed, indeed. All right, Robert, Rebecca, Joe, I certainly appreciate y'all joining us. Thank you so very much, folks. That's it for us. Uh, don't forget, support us in what we do here at the Black Star Network. Uh, it's important for you to join our Brina Funk fan club. Your dollars make it possible for us to do, do what we do while, while we are battling these advertisers and these ad agencies who continue to ignore Black-owned media. So you're checking money orders to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal, R. Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. Download the Black Shot Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. Be sure to get a copy of my book, White Fear, How the Browning of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds. Available at bookstores nationwide. Download the audio version on Audible and be sure to check out our 24-hour streaming channel available on multiple platforms, including Amazon News, Plex TV, Amazon Freebie, as well as Amazon Prime Video. Folks, that's it. I'll see y'all tomorrow right here. Rolling my unfiltered with Black Star Network. Holla! Folks, Black Star Network is here. A real um, revolutionary right now. We support this man, Black Media. He makes sure that our stories are told. I thank you for being the voice of Black America, Rollins. Hey, Black, I love y'all. All momentum we have now, we have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be skate. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig?
from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.